Today we are finishing our uh, Relationship Refresh series. We have been uh, looking at God's wisdom for dealing with the special challenges that we sometimes face in our relationships, and we've been working to push the refresh button and attempt to see improvements based on kind of a do-over in our relationships. And the majority of the messages in this series have applied to all different types of relationships, friendships and dating and marriage and other things. We did do one week of the seven that was specifically about marriage, and last week we talked specifically about parenting. And today we will also be a little bit specific, but this should apply to most all of us because we are talking about the relationship between parents and children, adult children and their parents. And um, I'm guessing that you might know that there can be some stress related to that. My wife and I find ourselves in what is called the sandwich generation. We're sandwiched between our adult children and our aging parents. And so uh, that can be a difficult thing. And uh, sometimes it's hard for us to deal with that. And I'm guessing that you may have some of those challenges also. And uh, I remember when I was growing up in the home I grew up in, when my mom made tacos, it was my job to grate the cheese. And I used one of those old-fashioned torture devices you know, one of those metal cheese graters where it would take you about four hours to grate a pound of cheese, and generally you wondered when you were eating the tacos if there was any skin as a part of that because somebody had probably grated their knuckles at the same time that they were grating the cheese. And so when I would grate the cheese, my, when my mom's back was turned, I would reach in and I'd get some cheese and I'd eat it, and my mom would always say, if you eat all the cheese, there won't be enough for the tacos. So fast forward several years, our second daughter was uh, born, but before she was born, my mom came to town to help us. And she was going to help us with our oldest daughter, and my mom had been there a long time. And I loved my mom, but she had been there a long time. And the baby had been born, and it was the last night that my mom would be there. Did I mention she had been there a long time? And she decided we should have tacos. So we're, I'm going to grate the cheese for the tacos, and I'm using our food processor, you know, where you kind of set five pounds of cheese somewhat close to the food processor, and within 30 seconds it's grated, right? So while I'm grating the cheese, I reach in and I get some cheese and I eat it, and my mom says, guess what? If you eat all the cheese, there won't be enough for the tacos. And I turned and I said, Mom, this is my house and my cheese. Leave me alone. And then we laughed, kind of. And now I'm the parent of adult children. And I find myself all the time having a hard time stopping myself from saying the things that I've always said to them that are no longer appropriate for me to say to them. And so I understand both sides of it. This is one of the things that happens when we get older, but 
getting older isn't as bad as what some people think. Someone has come up with a whole list of good things about getting older, and we don't have time for all of them, but I did narrow it down. So let me give you my top 10 benefits of growing older, okay? Here's my top 10 benefits. Number 10, people no longer view you as a hypochondriac. That's a benefit. Number nine, you can sing along with the elevator music. That's a benefit. Number eight, things you buy now won't wear out. I like this one, number seven, in a hostage situation, you are likely to be released first. <laughs> number six, you can have a party and the neighbors won't even realize it. Number five, your spouse still snores, <laughs> but you can't hear it. Number four, no one expects you to run anywhere. Number three, your investment in health insurance is finally beginning to pay off. Number two, your secrets are safe with your friends because they can't remember them either. And then the number one reason getting older has the benefits is there's nothing left to learn the hard way. You've done that. You've learned it all the hard way. And so whether you are the aging parent or whether you are the adult child or whether you're both, uh, whether you're struggling because you're seeing your kids make choices that you know aren't wise and you want to help them avoid it, or whether you're the adult child who is struggling to know how to deal with the parent who is getting older and needs more help but hasn't admitted yet that they need more help. Let's look at some keys that will help us to hit the relationship refresh button and hopefully figure out how to become friends with our kids or our parents. The first is this, be clear about your responsibilities. Be clear about your responsibilities. And Scripture helps with this. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let's start with verse 1. Don't correct an older man. Encourage him as you would your own father. Treat younger men as you would your own brother. And treat older women as you would your own mother. Show the same respect to younger women that you would to your sister. Now, we're going to go further in this passage in just a few minutes, but let's pause here for a minute. And I included these first verses because Paul's intention when he wrote them was to express to people in the church that they ought to treat fellow Christians and others around them that with the same politeness, with the same kindness, with the same courtesy that they would show to their family. And the things he outlined were standard and expected courtesy shown to family. You just didn't argue or correct your father. And you treated your mother and your sisters with love and with respect. And Paul's point was that those common courtesies should be extended to others around us also. Now, here's the problem in our society. And that is today we might have to turn that around. Today we might have to tell people to treat their family members with the same courtesy and the same respect that they treat others around them. Because many times people treat their work associates and their casual friends better than they treat their family members. Or we might have to treat both sides of this situation because many in our society seem to have problems showing respect or courtesy to anyone. And whatever the original intention of this passage 
was the passage gives us some pretty specific instructions on our responsibility to show love and courtesy to our family members. But the passage goes on. Look at uh, verse 3. Take care of any widow who is really in need, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn to serve God by taking care of her as she once took care of them. This is what God wants them to do. Then skip to verse 7. Tell all of this to everyone so that they will do the right thing. People who don't take care of their relatives and especially their own families have given up their faith. They are worse than someone who doesn't have faith in the Lord. Now, there is no question in this language. The primary responsibility for caring for family members isn't placed on the government and it isn't placed on the church. It's placed squarely on the shoulders of family members. Biblically, I have the responsibility to take care of my parents and my grandparents and my children and my grandchildren if they are unable to take care of themselves. And if a person has no family, the responsibility falls next to the church and then perhaps to the government. But this can be a fuzzy area when we start thinking it through. Many are trying to figure out how much help they need to give and how much help would be too much. So let me attempt to assist in clarifying this. And the first thing I want you to realize is this. I am responsible for their care, not for their happiness. I'm responsible for their care, not for their happiness. Whether you're talking about your aging parents or your children, you need to remember that they continue to be responsible for their own happiness. Many times, people, uh, older people will separate themselves from all of their friends and from the social settings that they've participated in, and then they will put pressure on their kids and their grandkids to supply all of their social needs also. And adult children can pressure their parents to help provide the latest gadget that they want or uh, a luxury for them, or they might just expect you to care for their children while they go out and socialize. And in both cases, we have to draw the line between need and happiness. We want our parents and our kids to be happy, but we can't take responsibility for that. They are responsible for making friends, and they're responsible for staying involved in life and making their own child care arrangements. We are responsible for their care, but not their happiness. The second thing I want you to realize is I am responsible to fill their needs, not their expectations. I fulfill their needs, not their expectations. Sometimes there's a difference between what someone really needs and what they expect. I mean, your parents may really need you to help them run errands and to drive them to the store on a weekly basis, but they might expect you to be available not once a week, but every day for that purpose. And your adult kids may need some short-term financial assistance, but they expect continuing financial support. And you have to draw the line uh, at filling their needs to the best of your ability and not allow them to make you feel like you have to try to fulfill all of their expectations. One couple dealing with the situation of caring for aging parents came up with a slogan to help them relieve their guilt. Whenever they faced what seemed to them to be an unrealistic expectation, they would say to each other, we can only do what we can do 
and that's all we can do. We can only do what we can do, and that's all we can do. And it's absolutely okay to encourage them and to require them to take responsibility for their own happiness and to encourage them to either change their expectation or to work to achieve what they expect. So be clear on what your responsibilities are with your parents and uh, with your adult kids and then work to meet those needs and to care for them and be ready for the fact that as the roles reverse and as things change, there is stress. But the first step is to be clear about your responsibility. Secondly, continue to show your respect. Continue to show your respect. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. The command says... Honor your father and mother. This is the first command that has a promise with it. Then everything will be well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not make your children angry, but raise them with the training and teaching of the Lord. Now, you may have read those verses before. You might even understand and realize that these were not suggestions that God was making, but this is a command of Scripture, that this is a command of His for parents and kids. But do you realize there's no expiration date on these commands? There's no expiration date on these commands. While I outgrow the obligation to obey my parents when I reach adulthood, I never outgrow my obligation to honor my parents. And as a parent, I never outgrow my need to avoid uh, teaching my kids a lifestyle of anger or provoking my kids to anger. No matter which role we're talking about, I need to continue to show respect. So how do we do that? How do we show respect? Let me compare the difference between showing respect for your aging parents and your adult kids. For your aging parents, give them as much independence as possible for as long as possible. Give them as much independence as possible for as long as possible. Some adult kids have great intentions and they really want to help their parents, but they end up taking over too soon. They start insisting on doing their parents' finances or shopping for them or to, they move them into a uh, retirement center too soon. And your parents need to be able to make their own decisions for as long as they can. I mean, try to see it from their perspective. Imagine if today you lost all of your independence. Imagine if suddenly you weren't able to drive, you weren't able to cook for yourself, you were completely dependent on someone else for every need that you had. Imagine that. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Now imagine that the person you were depending on was your child. Many, many parents are worried about becoming a burden to us. They have heard stories of family relationships that have been destroyed, and they don't want that. So when is it time to take over? Well, I think long-term safety is the key to making that decision. Long-term safety is the key. I mean, can they be independent and be safe? Can they be independent and not put others around them at risk? 
That's one of the things you need to think about. Protecting them and those around them is really important. And so you have to evaluate driving problems and cooking problems and other situations. And I think it's really good, if you can, to sit down with your family and decide together while everybody's young, while everybody's healthy, decide together in advance what types of things indicate that someone shouldn't drive anymore that they shouldn't live alone anymore and agree together and even write it down and that might make it easier when the time comes. But let's look at how you show respect for your adult children and that's this, give them as much independence as possible as soon as possible, as soon as possible. And I think many parents hold on too long. They don't encourage or allow independence soon enough. And this is an area where I think my parents did a pretty good job teaching me to be responsible and be independent. What they did was they just released more and more decision-making responsibility to us in our teen years. They let us pay the price for the mistakes we made while we were still in their home under their roof and had their protection. I had to buy my first car and I had to pay for both gasoline and insurance for that car. You know what that meant? That meant I had to have a job if I wanted to drive. And if I got a speeding ticket, and I did, uh, I, I had to figure out how I was going to pay that speeding ticket uh, from my earnings because my parents weren't going to hand me money for that. And, and my parents did a good job of helping us to think about the decisions we were making. I remember driving home from work with my dad. I worked at his business for a time. And we were driving home one Saturday and he said, what are you going to do tomorrow? And I said, oh, my friends and I are going to drive up into the mountains. And my dad went, oh, that sounds like fun. Is your car in a condition that it will make it? What are you going to do if you have a flat tire? What are you going to do if you have two flat tires? What are you going to do if the car just for no reason flips over and slides on its, you know, on its top for what? No, he didn't ask that. But my dad constantly asked questions. I got used to it. I got used to thinking, okay, I'm going to tell dad that I'm going to do this, and he's going to ask these questions. And I would kind of think through the questions, and he would always come up with one that I hadn't thought of. I mean, always. There was always one that I hadn't thought of. And so I got used to that. Fast forward a few years, uh, I asked Jill to marry me, and she said yes. And we were going to meet together in Central California. I was going to go from college where I was in Northern California. She and my family were going to come up to Central California where my aunt lived. And while we were there, I was going to say to my dad, I asked Jill to marry me. She said, yes, we want your blessing. Can we have your blessing? Okay, so when I left Northern California, I had a 250-mile drive, and I spent that entire 250 miles thinking of the questions my dad was going to ask me. I mean, I, I was very thorough in thinking of the questions and what my answers were going to be. And so when we got there, I found a quiet moment. I said to my dad, I need to talk to you. I sat down with him, and I said, Dad, I asked Jill to marry me. And she said, yes, and we'd like your blessing. And my dad went, congratulations, she's good people. That's my dad's highest compliment, by the way. If he says you're good people, you, you, you scored. That's a great thing. He said, Jill's good people, you have my blessing. And then there was silence. And I waited. I waited for the question. And he didn't ask. 
So I said, you're probably wondering how we're going to support ourselves. And then I answered the question. And he went, oh, that sounds good. There was silence again. And so I said, and you're probably wondering, and I, I answered about three questions that he never asked, and then I went down. I don't get this. All my life, when I make a big decision, you ask me a bunch of questions, and this is the biggest decision, and you're not asking me questions. He said, son, if you're old enough to decide to get married, you're old enough to have thought it through. And then my mom came in and asked all the questions. <laughs> so it wasn't a total waste of time. But my, my dad did a good job on that. And many parents want their kids to be responsible, but they won't let go enough for their kids to be able to become independent. They keep paying for everything and doing everything for their kids and interfering with everything. So how do you decide to give your kids or when to give your kids more responsibility? I think it's that their long-term survival is what ought to be key to this decision. You start realizing that at some point, they will need to stand on their own two feet. They will need to be independent. At some point, they will have to pay their own expenses. At some point, they will have to wake themselves up to get to work on time so they won't be fired. At some point, they will have to do their own laundry and they will have to cook for themselves. And if you have the choice, it is better for them to learn to do those things while they're still young, while they're still in your home and under your roof where you can monitor them and mentor them. So slowly release responsibility uh, for them. A 10-year-old is fully capable of doing their own laundry. Introduce them to the washer and dryer. Show them how it works. A teen can wake themselves up for school and work and they will do that unless you bail them out the first time that they have a problem because they oversleep. And Dave Ramsey has a great program to teach your kids how to deal with finances. I wish we had known about it when our kids were young and we were teaching our kids about money. So figure out areas where, you, where they can learn responsibility and then let them succeed at it. Sure, they'll have some struggles along the way, but let them succeed. And so whether you're dealing with your parents or with your adult children, the goal is to encourage and their continued self-respect encourage and continue their self-respect and i think that's why it's so important to focus on independence because i really believe for most people independence breeds self-respect independence breeds self-respect so be clear about your responsibility and continue to show your respect and then next try hard to be understanding Try hard to be understanding. It's a very simple verse, but it says so much. It takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. I think what happens in many families is people grow up or they grow into a different stage of life, and things begin to change, and there's this lack of understanding that develops, and then conflict enters the relationship. So let me make a couple of suggestions on places where you need to try hard to be understanding. First, understand their current situation. Understand their current situation. Kids remember parents who were strong. They remember parents who were confident and decisive, and that isn't the current situation for their parents anymore. And we miss them. We miss who they used to be. 
and it, we might be frustrated that they aren't there anymore. And so we've got to view them in the reality of who they are today and not in the memory of their best years. And parents remember kids who laughed a lot and who were relaxed and who had fun. And they remember when their kids needed them and counted on them and asked for their advice. But kids are older now and they're more confident in their own decisions and they're more serious about life because they're dealing with their adult problems. And parents miss being needed and they miss being consulted and they miss the lighter times and the laughter. And it is okay to miss who they used to be but try to understand their current situation and live in the reality of today and not in the memory of yesterday. Secondly, understand their current pace. Their current pace. Joe and I have figured out that we need to slow down when we're with our aging parents. We need to slow down because they move much slower. They just move at a slower pace, it seems, at everything. And they don't understand why anyone needs to hurry all the time. I went to Europe with my dad a little over a year ago, and it was a great trip. We saw many things that he had wanted to see for a long time. He asked me if I would take him there and show him some of the World War II sites and so forth. And um, we went, and it was a great trip. Uh, ushering your 82-year-old dad around uh, in places is kind of an interesting thing, and we really had a good time, but he was done every day about 4.30. Every day about 4.30, he wanted to go find some place to eat. Then he wanted to go back to the hotel room and turn on the TV and complain that it was all in German. <laughs> or maybe find the one channel of news in English that repeated the same news over and over and over. Now, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go out. I wanted to go see things. I wanted to continue looking at things. I wanted to see what some of those cities looked like with the lights on at night but I had decided to go at his pace. And so when we're with our aging parents, we have to move at a slower pace. Now, when Jill and I are with our kids, we have figured out we need to move at a faster pace. We need to move at a faster pace. When I was in Arizona earlier this year, there was one afternoon and evening where I rode with my, to take my three grandsons to four different sporting practices or games. And in the week that we were there, I think I was at about 11 different events for them. And since my daughter and son-in-law took different kids to different things, that wasn't even all of them. It wasn't even all of them. And on a recent trip to Denver, my uh, wife, Jill, helped our granddaughter get to three birthday parties in one afternoon. And we live pretty fast-paced lives, but we've figured out we still have to speed up when we're with our kids. And understanding their current situation and their current pace means that you commit yourself to not giving a guilt trip as a result of that. You don't give a guilt trip to anyone. You understand these things and you accept them with grace and with love. Let's look at one more, and that is decide to develop your friendship. Decide to develop your friendship. I think when things work right, when your kids get to be adults, we ought to be able to become friends with them. I think that should be the goal, is to have parents and adult children become friends. Look at what it says in Proverbs 20. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is really faithful. 
And I want to be a loyal friend to my kids. I mean, I don't want them to be able to find anyone even more loyal to me. And I want to be a loyal friend to my, uh, my dad and to Jill's mom. And then this next verse can also describe what the relationship between parents and adult kids can be. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. So encourage each other and give each other strength just as you are doing now. Isn't that what you want with your parents and with your kids when they become adults, don't you want a relationship to enjoy rather than a problem to manage? Don't you want a relationship to enjoy? Now, when I'm talking about developing a friendship with your kids, I need to say to the parents of young children, don't start too soon. Don't start too soon. In fact, I think the problem in many homes is parents are trying to be buddies and friends with their preschoolers or uh, with their elementary age kids or even their middle schoolers. I mean, we want them to think we're cool and we want them to like us and want to be with us. But when they're young, they need you to be their parent, not their friend. They need you to be their parent, not their friend. I, I used to say to my girls, it's so sad that you're mad at me right now, but my job isn't to make you like me. My job is to be your parent. It's a benefit if you like me, but it's my job to be your parent. And then we used to say, Joel and I used to say to them, hate me now and love me later. Hate me now and love me later. And they did. They hated us. And now they love us. So that's a good thing. But here's something that I've learned watching people deal with their kids and in dealing with my own kids. And this is, it's in your notes, so if you want it, write it down. If you parent your kids when they're kids, you can be a friend to your kids when they're adults. If you parent your kids when they're kids, you can be a friend to your kids when they're adults. But if you don't parent them when they're young, you will still be parenting them when they're adults. If you don't parent them when they're young, you're going to still parent them when they're adults. So don't start too soon, but develop a friendship. And we're talking about how we relate when everybody is an adult. After the kids have become adults, we relate with each other. So let me give you two suggestions. First one's this, treat them like friends. Treat them like friends. And that might seem obvious, and you think we've been saying that, but it is kind of hard to shift gears. I had a hard time uh, shifting these gears and starting to do this with my own uh, kids. I have to treat them just like I treat my friend. And what that means is Ryan and I are out to dinner, and Ryan tells me that it's been a really bad time, that his car broke down and the refrigerator broke down, and they're really struggling trying to figure out how they're going to pay to repair their car and their refrigerator. You know what I do? I sympathize with him and I encourage him, and I pray for him, you know what I don't do? I don't reach for my wallet. I, I, I don't reach for my wallet. In fact, when it comes to my friendships, I kind of think it might insult my friends if I just assumed that they told me about some struggle in their life because they wanted me to pay for it. And so when I'm dealing with my kids, if I'm treating them like friends, that means I usually don't give them money or advice unless they ask for it. I don't give them money or advice unless they ask for it. I, that is really hard. But we try to treat our kids like friends. And so we treat each other like friends. We pay attention to their concerns and we're willing to help if needed, but we don't jump in to rescue 
at every mention of a problem. Lastly, plan fun times together. Plan fun times together. If we're developing a friendship, that usually means that we want to have fun together. And so we need to figure out some new ways and some good ways to have fun together. And I thought when my kids grew up that they wouldn't want to go on vacation with us anymore. That's just not the case. Every year, we seem to do something with them. Sometimes with both of our kids and their families all together, that's a crazy time. Other times with just one of their families. But we have fun together. We generally play games and we laugh a lot and we have a good time. And uh, we'll be together this summer. Um, we're going to have fun. We're going to Disneyland hell. <laughs> you can tell I'm excited about that. But it will be fun with my grandkids and uh, with my kids. We'll have fun together. And um, we have talked about the fact the other night, we talked about what it would be like to do an escape room together. We're not sure about taking the little kids to an escape room, and, uh, but that we're trying to do some fun things together. And that's the same thing with our parents. We need to figure out what we can do to have fun with them. Last year, my sister and my sister-in-law and my dad and I went to tour a lighthouse. And he has lived near this lighthouse within about 15 miles of it for over 20 years, and none of us had ever been to it. And so we went, and it, it was a fun day. So make some plans to have fun together. Now, we need to finish. We need to finish this message, and we also need to finish this series. But I expect that there are a few of you sitting here in the room that are sitting there with a quiet hurt, maybe a quiet question. You're wondering, what if the relationship isn't close? I mean, what if you don't have a good relationship with your parents? What if you don't have a close relationship with your kids? And you're thinking that friendship is the last word that you would use to describe your relationship with them. And if that's the case, what should you do? Well, I think you should still walk through these steps that we've talked about and do your best to make sure that you're being biblical and meeting those requirements. But if you've done everything you can to create peace in the relationship, or you've had to sadly determine that your parents or your kids aren't safe adults, for you to relate to, then you continue to pray. You continue to pray that God will heal your heart, that God will heal your hurt, and you continue to pray that if it's at all possible that things will be fixed in your relationship with your parents or with your kids. And then when you've done that, you just ask God for peace. You ask God for peace. You ask Him to step into your life. You ask Him to fill the void of that broken relationship, and God will do that. Let these scriptures encourage you as we close. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter 3. The Lord all-powerful says, they belong to me. On that day, they will be my very own. As a parent shows mercy to his child who serves him, I will show mercy to my people. And then Psalm 68 says this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. 
He gives them joy. Now, I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that God created the church is that he wanted the church to be the family that he put lonely people in. And so if you're here and you're lonely, maybe some of your relationships are severely broken and you're struggling, impact wants to be a family to you. Maybe God has brought you here today to say to you, I put the lonely in families and this is your family. This is the family I'm going to set you up in. And if you need someone to talk with you or pray with you, you can just step to our Next Steps canopy following the service today. But let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your promise to show mercy to us when we haven't always gotten things right. Thank you for the assurance that we belong to you. Thank you for being a father to the fatherless. Thank you, Father, for setting the lonely in families, for giving us our biological family and our church family to encourage us and to give us strength. And now, Father, as we complete this series, we just ask you to make us new, to refresh us. Father, would you renew our hope in the healing that you can bring to our relationships? Father, would you renew the marriages that are struggling here? Would you renew the relationship between parents and uh, children that are struggling here. Father, would you help us push the refresh button in how we deal with conflict with each other and how we uh, deal with our relationships. And Father, would you just make us new? Thank you, Father, so much that even when we've been rebellious children, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Now, Father, would you help us love each other the way you love us? In Jesus' name, amen.